I titled this message, uh, You're Not the Only One. But before I get into message, I wanted to tell you guys a little story. So I have two older brothers, right? I got my brother Cameron, and I got my brother Spencer. See, my brother Cameron, he was uh, he's a manly man, you know? He had the, the cowboy hat. Oh, I'm also from Montana, so give a little context behind the story so you don't think that I'm from some weird place. Um, but so, okay, you're right, my bad, my bad. Montana is a little different than most places. But uh, um, so, yeah, my brother Cameron, he was a manly man. He had a beard. He has, has a beard. He's still alive. He has a beard. You know, he wears boots all the time, just, like, loved hunting, loved fishing, all of this stuff. And then I had another, I have another brother named Spencer, and uh, he's more of a ladies' man, kind of. He, uh, he looked fresh, you know, he skateboarded and snowboarded, and uh, I looked up to him a lot. Um, yeah, so growing up, though, I didn't have a dad, so I always looked up to them. I always wanted to be like them. I always wanted to do the things they did and tried to fit into, the be- uh, fit into what they were doing to the best of my ability. But at a young age, I always kind of knew that I was different. So in third grade, I was sitting in my bedroom. Both my brothers came up to me, and they're like, hey, Austin, you want to come uh, outside? We're going to go do some stuff. And I was like, oh, no, I'm okay. They're like, well, what are you doing? I was like, oh, I'm organizing my clothes for next week. I'm picking out my outfits and putting them in the drawer. And they're all like, what? You're putting your outfits together for next week? That's a little weird. And I was like, yeah, yeah. And then they just left, and I was like, okay. I mean, maybe I'm a little weird. I don't know. I just thought I was doing what I was doing. And then so sixth grade comes around. I'm watching TV, and I look on the TV, and there's these polos, these fresh polos. And I know you guys don't wear polos, but when I was in sixth grade, polos were fresh. That's not a polo, but it's still fresh. You got it, Alvin. It's good. (laughs) And so uh, I went to my mom. I was like, hey, Mom, do you think that I could get a polo? And she's like, she looked at me weird. She's like, "Uh, yeah, sure, I guess. So we went to Old Navy. I got this pink polo with blue stripes. I got this green polo with pink stripes. I was fresh. I was walking to school. I was like, yo, this what's up? And uh, I just felt good, you know? Um, so I always loved fashion. I always loved poetry and things like that. But I never really told anybody about it. I never really told people about the things I like to do because I didn't really want to be weird. And so going into my freshman year of high school, I remember walking in. There's this guy. His name was Johnny. He came up to me. And uh, he said, hey, dude, you're, uh, you're Spencer Phillips' little brother, right? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm Spencer Phillips' little brother. And so a little context, too. My brother Cameron always beat me up. And so I didn't actually want to be like my brother Cameron. I more wanted to be like my brother Spencer. And uh, so I, yeah, so he came up to me. And he's like, hey, so you're Spencer Phillips' little brother, right? I was like, yeah, I'm Spencer Phillips' little brother. And then he's like, oh, so you smoke weed, right? And I was like, um, no, nope, I don't do that. And uh, then he looked at me. And he's like, oh, then you're not Spencer Phillips' little brother. And that hit me. I was like, boom. There's like a little dagger that's like, ah, you're not his brother. And so then I thought if I wasn't my brother Spencer's little brother, then I was my brother Cameron's little brother. And I didn't want to be like my brother Cameron because I didn't think he was cool. So the rest of my high school was me trying to be something that I was never intended to be, trying to fit into something that I was never meant to fit into because I was so scared of what other people would think of me. I was so scared of not fitting in or not fitting into the status quo of what the world says is cool or what my friends thought were cool that I always put what I thought was cool to the side. And so I never actually did the things that I loved to do. I just kind of did what everyone else thought was cool. But so that all falls stark in comparison to the things that I was actually selling. 
See, I grew up in the church, and being in church, I had an understanding of who God was. I had an understanding of who God had called me to be and what was right and what was wrong. But going through high school, I kind of let go of those things. I let go of the, the bigger things, the things that God was calling me to, and I just kind of let go of those. Um, so, yeah, so I, get, I, got, I let go of those things that God was calling me to, those, those right things, knowing what was right and what was wrong, but just not caring because I wanted to fit in. I didn't want to rock the boat, didn't want to challenge the status quo. But see, in Psalm 139, it says, You are formed, or you formed my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it very well. See, God intended me to be me. That's what I was supposed to be. I was supposed to be good, at, but I got really good at pretending to be who I wasn't meant to be. So I was selling the things that God had given me, my birthrights, the things God placed inside me to fit into the world. I was selling my birthrights to fit into the world. So there's a story in the Bible of these two brothers, it's Jacob and Esau. Okay, so Esau comes in one day, and his brother Jacob's sitting there with a bowl of soup. And Esau comes up, and he's like, yo, dude, give me some soup. I'm hungry. And he wasn't just, he was hangry, man. He was hangry. He's coming in. He's, he's ready to throw down. He's like, I am hangry. Like, give me some soup, man. I'm going to die. And Jacob looks at him, and he's like, mm. He's like, okay, sell me your birthright. I want your birthright. And he's like, what good is my birthright? I'm going to die here, man. I'm going to die. So this is a dramatic brother, all right, guys? He was not going to die. But so he's like, all right, fine. Like, I'll sell you my birthright. Give me your soup. And so back then, you guys, like, a birthright was everything. You got property. You got, you were the head of the household. You, uh, and that was what Esau was given from birth. That's what he was given when he was first born. He was given all of these things. But he sold it. He gave it away for a bowl of soup, something temporary, something, yeah, just uh, a moment. He gave it away for a moment. So by definition, a birthright is any right or privilege to which a person is entitled by birth. So when a baby is born, when you guys, I know this is going to take you way back, way back. But when you were born and when you came out of the womb, what was the first thing you did? And you cried, right? You cried. Or or you could even look at it as you took a breath, right? That's the first thing a baby did when you were born. You, you took a breath. But what does that mean? What does that mean that you were given a breath? From your birth, from being born as a birthright, you were given a breath. That means you were given a voice. You, each and every one of you in this room was given a voice to speak, to say, to bring life to those around you. What do you use your breath for? What do you use the voice that God has given you for? Do you encourage your brothers and sisters in Christ? Do you encourage your friends? Do you encourage them to live their lives abundantly? Or do you tear them down? Because I know I wasted my breath in high school. In high school, I wasn't that person that encouraged my friends. I wasn't that person that um, told my friends to stand into the things that I knew that they were called to be. I remember if someone was clowning on somebody, I was always probably the person clowning on the person clowning on the person. I wasn't actually the one like being like, hey, that's not right, you know? Like God has given each and every one of you a voice to speak, to encourage others. So why did I give it away? Why did I give away what God had given me? Why did Esau give away his birthright for a bowl of soup? See, in the moment it seems worth it, but down the road it doesn't. You know, our words have power, you guys. Our words have implications behind them. I remember there's things that people have said to me way down the road, way back in the day, 
that have affected my whole life. That one word that guy gave me when I was 15, and he said, you're not your brother's brother. Like, that set my course for all of high school. Your, your words have power, you guys. Your words, it's a breath. God has given you a breath to speak. And I want you to use that breath. Use that thing, that birthright God has given you. What's the next thing a baby does after the doctor washes it off? What does it do? What, where does it go? Close, close. It goes to its mother, right? It's the first thing. So the first thing God wanted for you when you were born, the first two things God wanted for you were, when you were born, he wanted to breathe his life into you. He wanted to give you a breath. He wanted to give you a voice. And then the next thing he wanted you to do was to be loved. That's the next thing he wanted you to do. I mean, giving you that breath initially was him loving you. Because it's not something you deserve. It's something he just gave. But then he gives you comfort. He gives you love. Because w- without love, without comfort from a mother, that baby would die. You would die. Without God's love, we wouldn't, we wouldn't make it. We wouldn't be able to make it. It says in John 1.12, it says, But to all who did receive him and believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. See, you were born to be a child of God. That is your birthright. It was a birthright given to you by God. You were intended to be a child of God. But why do we give those things away for bowls of soup, you know? Why do we give those things away for temporary things? It says, like, again, I want to go back to Psalm 139. When you were knit together, this is you guys. Like, this is you. This isn't just a lofty word. This isn't just um, David crying out to God or, like, God giving David this word. But this is each and every one of you, that you were knit together in your mother's womb, that you are fearfully and wonderfully made, and wonderful are God's works, for my soul knows it very well. You all have a story. You all have a voice. You all have talents. You all have gifts. You all have passions, that things that God has given you specifically. And sometimes we think we're weird for liking certain things or wanting to do certain things, but we're not. Like when Julie was up here, she kind of set this whole thing up for me too to say like, God has given, like, whether it's in media, whether it's in design, whether it's in drawing, whether it's in music, whether it's in fashion, like, or wanting to be an actor, like, God has given you that gift. God has given you that passion and to pursue it. So something that God has given me, um, I believe, is um, poetry and stuff like that. I love poetry. I love writing. Um, I don't share it very often. and That's something that I want to start exercising more. And so I'm going to share with you guys something that I wrote. It's a, it's a spoken word. call it a, do you hear it? I grew up in a country town where you were categorized as two types of people. You were an either or an or. You were rich or mediocrely poor, a cowboy or a native with nothing in between. Cast out or cast in, yet both leading nowhere, and finding the middle ground was dang near impossible. See, When I was young, I got my blood drawn, and it turned out positive, which was no surprise to me because I never got along with the negatives or the circumstantial 3D-in-the-box creatives. Any chance I got to try and plug in my three-prong didn't fit the two-prong plug-in system by which the walls I was surrounded needed me to fit. Growing up a drifter or a dreamer, a cocky athlete or a schemer, but my story sounds more like a no-good pothead turned into a believer. But I know it sounds so common nowadays that the way I turned from drugs was that I found God and now I'm in a better place. But I'm pretty sure God said, don't call what I've made clean, common, cleaned up, white as snow, like comet to a carpet. And it's also funny I say found, as if he ever left. 
because the emotions from that moment will always be forever kept, like a picture in my pocket or a loved one in my locket strung around my neck. And I'll never forget, because every time I hear my heart beating against my chest, I also hear the promise of God's love sung inside my head. With my fist in the posture of clenched, clinging so tight to the promise. Because the promise of the promise is so sweet in the likeness of honey dripping off a tree or Ray Charles coming through my Dr. Dre beats. And it's not a cute gift to be tied up in a bow or a flashy ribbon for everyone to see. But the gift of grace is one in which that lies internally. And that is why I sing. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. And I sit in silence because of the beauty of the words, not the beauty of the note. And it's not something that I wrote, but a verse that screams of an everlasting truth before the earth was formed or spoken to being. You were birthed to sing, to sing a song so creative that only you and God know the beat. But then if you listen closely, you'll hear the sound of heavenly feet dancing in the streets along to the beat of that God-orchestrated symphony that is you and me, where your note and their note and his note create that sound, the sound of God's drum banging to his beat, and there is where I want to dwell, letting my mind soar to the things unseen, cloaked in his majesty, saying, will you come dance with me? Be free to sing, live your life abundantly, and now come dance with me. See, you guys were meant to sing. See, I wanted to title this message, You're Not the Only One, because look around, you guys. Look around at this room. You guys aren't the only ones. You're not alone. You're not alone in this walk. You're not alone in these things that God has placed on your life. You're meant to encourage each other. You're meant to speak truth into each other's lives. You're meant to encourage one another in the faith. See, God gave each and every one of you a gift, a talent, a passion to sing. It says again, one Psalm 139, that you were knit together in your mother's womb. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. That your soul knows it well. So I want to encourage you guys to encourage each other as throughout your week. Speak life to your friends. If that kid's sitting over there by himself, go over to that kid, hang out with him, breathe life into his life, because God has given you something free for you to give to other people freely. And so, yeah, I want to encourage you guys, sing your songs, sing the things God has given you, and be who God's called you and created you to be. Thank you, guys. That was so solid. Thanks, Austin. That's so good. Um, before we finish, I want to pray, because I don't take the word of God lightly. Um, I'm a pretty lighthearted guy, but when it comes to what God says about my life, I don't take it lightly. The Bible says, live a life worthy of your calling. So I believe that when the word of God is spoken, that it's a calling for us to draw near. And so I don't take that lightly. I, I want to live a life that's worthy of the calling of God on my life. And I don't know about you, but that's my perspective. Um, but if that is you, we're going to pray. And uh, I think as young people, the most important thing we could ever do is ask what God thinks about us or like ask God like really what he feels about us or like what he's called us to. Like when Austin says, sing your song, like 
like, you know, maybe it's not an actual song. Maybe it's like he said, like just sitting next to a lonely person, right? Or maybe it's just like when everyone's bagging on the person that's already down, like you give them a hand up, you know, maybe that's your song. Or maybe it's like making an extra sandwich because you know that kid never has lunch, you know? Like maybe that's your song that you sing at school. Or maybe in your family, like if it's just absolute chaos, like you just decide that you're not going to join the chaos and you're just going to be a solid rock for your family who's going to be a beacon of hope no matter what, right? Maybe that's your song. But I think the most beautiful thing about what Austin said is like when like Jack starts singing his song, and I start singing my song. Joshua starts singing his song. Whatever that might look like, like, like it's a force that, like, cannot be, like, chat. Like, there's nothing that can stop that. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know if you guys were up there on Sunday, but Josiah was talking about how, like, God is not like this warrior with a sword, like, cutting people's heads off. <laughs> like, he's a guy that lays his life down, like, could beat you up, but willingly lets you beat him up. You know, like, takes the low road always like walks in humility and perfect love. So I think that's like our army. That's like what we walk in, right? So I'm going to pray. And uh, maybe you've never even thought about this before, like what God thinks about you. Maybe there's like nothing in you that even cared walking in here. Um, But I challenge you as I pray, just ask God. The Bible says, ask and you shall receive. And so I don't think God's a liar. (laughs) I think that he's honest and that he's true to his character, that when you ask, you are going to receive. And so as, as I pray, here's the cool thing. You don't even have to listen to what I'm praying about. You can say your own prayer. You can say, God, what do I think about you? Yeah? So let's bow our hands, close our eyes. Lord, I thank you so much uh, for the promise of your word that when it goes forth, it never returns void. So I thank you that tonight um, our lives are changed, that we can tap into the sound of heaven that you are calling us to. Lord, I just thank you for supernatural boldness on each one of these students tonight. Lord, I thank you for overwhelming peace and overwhelming love, that we would truly know this love that surpasses all understanding, that we would know the height, the depth, the width, and the breadth of this love in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you right now for just speaking um, into our lives, identity and, and truth and purpose and love in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you that you're proud of us, that we're called to be children of God and that you're proud, proud to call us your child. You're so proud that you'd give your life, that you would stand on our behalf and die a gruesome death just because you're proud of us and you long for your children. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God loves you. Don't ever let that become too common, okay? It's the most profound thing you'll ever hear in your life. God loves you. Cool? Thank you, Austin. That was legit. Who thinks that was legit? Yeah. Cool? Love somebody. Don't be scared to love somebody. They're not going to punch you in the face. Well, maybe they will, but it'll be worth it. <laughs> cool? You're waking up to your key.